You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woo-hoo. My name is Shane and I'll be your host today. I'm real excited about today's podcast. We're going to share some things about a trip that Perry took real recently. But before we do that, I wanted to draw your attention to something many of you need to be a part of out there. It's called Unleash Your Leadership. New Springs doing leadership coaching for church leaders, really any leader, anybody who wants to increase your ability to lead uh, and to uh, cast vision and to equip your team to succeed. We're doing a thing called Unleash Your Leadership, February 18th through the 20th of 2013. It's $850, and we're only going to take about 50 or 60 people, so you need to get signed up real quick. Perry, tell everybody why you think they need to be there. Well, it's... it's um. It's just a leadership roundtable, basically. It's a small crowd, 50 to 60 people. And we spend the first half day really talking about how to get healthy, why to get healthy, because a church can't be healthy unless the leader's healthy. I believe that with all my heart. Um, We talk about um, your church is about three or four major decisions away from doubling in size. And we we talk about that for about a half a day. We talk about sermon prep. We talk about... um, violating the three assumptions. I won't say what those are, but like every church violates them. We discovered them because we were violating them and we fight hard not to violate them now. And it's, it's, um, it's discussion. You can ask questions. Um, you get to interact with a lot of the leaders we have here on our team. Honestly, it's my favorite thing we do. Mm -hmm. And so I would highly, highly recommend it's not just for senior pastors. It's for any church leader. And it's, it's well worth the time and money, um, to, to invest, to, to come to this thing. Yep, it's a ton of fun. I love it each time we do it as well. And we get lots of good feedback. We've seen lots of churches uh, take some big next steps after having their leaders attend. Uh, you can get information about Unleash Your Leadership at unleash.cc slash unleashyourleadership. Uh, you'll find all the information you need there to sign up to be a part of that uh, coming up in February. Well, today's topic, we're just going to call it Surprised at Disney. Perry, you and your family recently went on a trip to Disney World in Orlando, and I know Karis loves the Disney princesses, and if you're being honest, you secretly do too. I do, man. I do. (laughs) And uh, we'll ask you about that a little bit later. That's awesome. Uh, But your family made some plans, spent some big money, and made the trip. And while you were there, you had several experiences that caused you to stop and think about how what you were experiencing relates to leadership in the church, and that's what we're going to talk about today. To be clear to everyone out there, to all our listeners, we're trying to be very clear. Let me say it again. We want to be really clear that we're in no way protesting Disney. These are just things you observed and some leadership takeaways from that experience. Is that correct? Absolutely. Let me just be very clear um, on the fact that I love Disney, and I'll go back um, at least one time because we're going to go down there and check out that new Bell's Castle thing. I'm sure you don't know anything about that because you have four boys. That's correct. Um, it's really cool. Can't wait. Um, and Anyway... I love it. We're going to do a Disney cruise one day, maybe. And it's uh, and you said this funny. I was like, you you said spent some big money. If you walk in the door at Disney, you're going to spend big money. Um, I think they might start charging for the oxygen down there. I'm not sure, but you know what? It's the experience. You take your kid there for the experience. Um, so but, t- tell us, just give us an overview of your trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So we we get there, and it's um, me and Lucretia and, and Karis and some some really good friends, and um, we get there, we get checked in the room, and and uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm supposed to ride a boat to the place we're gonna um, go to dinner. So they shut the boat down. They usually do that when lightning um, appears. And so there's lightning in the sky. And I walk in. I'm like, well, how do I get over there? And they're like, you need to pay for a taxi. 
So it's fine. I had the money for a taxi, so I, I, I ride the taxi over, and we ate in this restaurant. Um, I won't call the name of the restaurant. It was just a it was a nice restaurant on one of the Disney resorts, and um, the service was was just not good. I mean, and I you know I worked in the restaurant industry, so I know sometimes things aren't good, but took forever to get our food, took forever to get our drinks, and um, it was, you know, so, you know, okay, that's a bad deal, but, you know, you don't call an organization bad because you have one bad experience. It's, right. it's like people go, well, I had a bad experience at church. Well, of course you did. That's what you you just have bad experiences at church. So anyway, that night I go, and we're staying at a, one of the really nice rooms, and um, I turn down, I'm getting ready to get in bed, and I turn down the covers, and there's hair in my bed. And what's really weird is I hadn't been in the bed, and, like, I, I'm just like, okay, there's hair in my bed. So, but, I mean, I didn't throw up or freak out. I just literally, I just swiped the hair out and laid down. I was tired, man. I had to go to sleep. I mean, I am, I, I knew the next day was going to be a long day. And then next morning we went to this little princess breakfast, um, where you take your little girl or little boy, mostly little girls, not little boys want to go to the princess breakfast. So there's all these little girls in their dresses, princesses, and they, you know, they bring us the food. Um, my wife had hair in her food and I'm like, what is the deal? Are people shedding? Is this shit? <laughs> like, so she had a hair in her food and um and then the the princesses came around and they um they didn't spend a lot of time with the kids and I'm not just talking about my daughter it was like they were kind of rushing through and it was a, almost an imposition for them to be there and um and and so it's just we had several experiences like that um a lot of the cast members is what they call their employees weren't smiling I'm like okay people you work at Disney um and I I was happen to have a conversation with one cast member and I was talking to him about my favorite restaurant on the premises, which is a restaurant called Ohana, which the food is amazing. I could eat there every day. Um, and uh, he was like, yeah, as employees, we used to get to eat there, but we don't get to eat there anymore. Like they, they took our one one meal a year away or something like that. And I'm going, oh, okay, well, you know, and it's so several experiences and I won't, I won't go into it, but I, I went back after about the second or third night and just started writing in my journal because I'm like, oh my gosh, um, I see maybe some mistakes they made. And to be to be very clear, I emailed their customer service. I talked to somebody in customer service. Um, they credited my account like 200 bucks or something like that. And I told Lucretia, I said, what's really bad, um, one of the lessons I learned that we won't talk about today is if I would have yelled and screamed and cussed and told them I was never coming back, you know, they there's no telling what they would have done. But I didn't do that. I was like, I'm, I don't hate Disney. I'm coming back to Disney. I just wanted you guys to be aware of these things so that other customers, because I'm coming back. I mean, I have a five-year-old daughter. We're going back. But I, I don't. I wanted you to be aware of this. And so I went down and journaled some lessons, and I've shared a couple of those um, with our with our staff, and I think you, you took some notes on those. I did take some notes on those, and that's what really I want to focus our uh, podcast on today for our listeners, because I thought there was four key statements that I took uh, notes from when you were sharing your experience in our leadership team meeting. And so I'm just going to go through those and ask you, uh, I'll... I'll uh, Tell the listeners the statement that I wrote down and then just ask you some questions to maybe explain what you meant by that to our listeners. The first one was this, problems can't be solved if they're not seen. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by this statement? One of the things I think we assume as leaders, and this was a big major um, lesson for me, is we think that we see all the problems. But reality is this, the higher you go up, in an organization, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a church, whether it's any industry, the higher up in leadership you are, I think the the some of the real core problems that develop, you can't see them. And so but 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 the tension there is 
If you can't see them, then you can't be a part of solving them. So how do you, as a leader, make sure that you're seeing things from the ground level? How do you make sure, um, like at Disney, how would you make sure that you're seeing things from the customer's point of view? I was told this and so I, I, by a cast member that works down there, um, and so I, I don't, you know, there's nowhere on Google you can go research this or whatever, but the average person, average family that comes to Disney spends eight to $10,000. And I'm like, that's probably on bottled water. But yeah. they spend eight to $10,000. So how does a Disney executive look at the Disney experience through the family spending that much money? Well, you take that in a church world, and the, the challenge I walked away with, because like I said, this was not a crack on Disney. This was like, okay, how do I view church? How do we do view church from the person that's walking in here for the first time? And it's a single mom. It's a divorced dad. It's a teenager that's a problem uh, that's a problem child. It's the it's the kid that, you know, one weekend he's with his mom and one weekend he's with his dad. How do we view what's going on through their eyes because they see things sometimes that we don't. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you about that. How, you you kind of uh, alluded to this, but you said as leaders move up in the organization, you get distance further and further from the actual customer. Mm-hmm. And that can happen in any organization. And certainly as a church grows, that can happen in a church. But how, how do things get that way? I mean, what as, as uh, the organization grows, leadership levels get put in place, so tell me how that happens. How do you get so disconnected from the actual end user? I think one of the things that we do as leaders, one of the mistakes we make, I know I've made this mistake countless times, is you'll get in a room, you'll cast vision, you'll say something, and that you you assume that everybody understands it to the level that you understand it, and they feel it on the level that you feel it. So not only are they understanding it, but they're passionate about it. But what you don't understand, what we don't understand many times as leaders, is what we may have talked about and worked about and planned on for six months. They just heard it in six minutes, and so it takes consistent um, vision casting. It takes repetition. Um, about the time we're tired of hearing ourselves talk, they're finally beginning to understand it. And so I think that's one of the things that we've got to do is. Um, We've got to make sure that everyone on every level of the organization in our church or um, business or whatever really do, do understand what we're supposed to be doing, why we're supposed to be doing it, and who we're actually supposed to be reaching. That's really good. So you you mentioned in there that you want to cast consistent vision and you want it to be repetitive. Um, how How is a way that a leader can make sure that it's, let's say you as a senior pastor of this church, you know, you may be four or five la- layers away from the person at the, the the other end of the organizational chart. How do you make sure the person at the end gets that? How do you make? How do you check on the fact that it's this consistent, repetitive vision casting is making its way through the organization? Well, a couple things I do, and I think a couple things that are beneficial is, um, you know, we have a we have an environment in our church called the green room where we invite first timers to come, and if you're a first timer in our church. We set aside a room. We have refreshments. We have a gift, and it's totally up to the to the visitor if they want to come by that room. And from time to time, I'll go into that room, and that's where I'm able to have conversations with first timers. That's where I'm able to hear, see, and evaluate 
everything through their eyes. And so, so many times they'll go get their kids and even then bring the kids up to the green room. Well, I'm asking the kids, Mm -hmm. did you enjoy your time in kids spring today? What'd you learn? And you're hearing, oh yeah, my teacher was awesome. Or we learned this lesson or da, 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 da. And it's not like I'm checking up on people. It's, but I want to hear that they're getting it. I want to hear that they're understanding it. You know, you hear people go, Hey, that was great. Or why did we do this? Or, you know, help me understand this. And it's conversations, what I call on the ground level. And then, and then you begin to, as far as staff goes and them understanding it, one of the things we do, and I totally ripped this off of Andy Stanley, is we do a 90-day evaluation and a one-year evaluation where every staff member has the opportunity to evaluate the organization. Mm-hmm. So in 90 days, you get an evaluation where it's not us evaluating you, it's you evaluating us. And at one year, you get an evaluation. And, um, and then I read every one of those. I, sit, I literally sit down and read every one of those word for word. And, um, and I can see in their language, okay, they're getting it. Or if they have questions about the organization, they'll ask questions. And I've taken the time to actually Mm -hmm. say, all right, I need to go to this person and answer that question for them personally, instead of just letting somebody else do it. And it's been so effective. Mm -hmm. Those are just a couple of the methods that we use. That's really good. That, that 90 day and one year vows is a really great tool. It's an eye opener. Really is. Uh, second statement, second thing I wrote down when you were sharing this with us is this, they, meaning Disney, seem to be operating on a momentum that was based on a successful past. What led you to that conclusion? All right, so I have been to Disneyland and Disney World. Um, so I've seen both the East, East Coast and the West Coast. My dad and my sister both worked at Disneyland. Um, and so I, I know that, I, I know a little bit about Disney history, and I know about the momentum that they had um, back in the 70s. Um, and then, you know, they had some in the 80s. And then this whole thing with the whole release of the Disney princesses, and um, it's a brilliant marketing idea because you're going to pay hundreds of dollars to get into a park to stand in the line to get the <laughs> autograph of, of a fake person, basically. But it's brilliant. It, it is works. brilliant. Hey, we stood in line. <laughs> we have Rapunzel's autograph. We have Cinderella. We have, I mean, we have them all. So, anyway. Um, so, but... The reality is Disney, their momentum is unbelievable. You look at them as a company or, or as an organization, and I'm not talking about everything they own because I think they own what? Uh, I think that they own about everything. They own about everything. So I'm not talking about like their, their ESPN or the ABC affiliates. Or I'm just talking about the Disney parks. I think the momentum that they had back in, you know, several years ago was good, but I think the danger that there uh, is the, the dangerous assumption that they're making is what worked is always going to work. And because we've always done it, because we've always been popular, we're always going to be popular because, you know, just walking around the park, um, I observe people. That's one of the things I do is I just watch people. There was a lot of people that were really angry. I mean, I saw people going off on each other. I saw people yelling at their kids. I saw kids yelling at their moms and dads. I saw moms and dads yelling at each other. I'm like, there's not a lot of people having a good time right now. Like, and, and so the, the lines and the way that you're treated by the, the cast members or whatever, and I'm like, you know what? There's going to be a day, if things don't change, that the, the family spending eight to $10,000, they're going to go do it somewhere where they can have a lot more fun. Yeah, it's a lot of money to drop on something you're not excited about. How does an organization, or let me ask this, how can a church get to that same place? Well, if you'll look at most 
every denomination in America right now. That's where they are. Um, and I'm, listen, I've, you know, I'm not the anti-denomination guy. Um, but if you'll look at, you know, your, your mainline denominations, that, if you study church history, um, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, are doing a great job and knocking it out of the park. But what's the one thing they were unwilling to do? They were unwilling to change. They were like, this is who we are. We've always been successful. We're always going to be successful. And now nearly every mainline denomination is in decline. And what they're doing, because I watched this, (laughs) they're in decline, and then they're claiming that we're in a culture war, and they're yelling at non-Christians because we're in decline. That's the dumbest. That's like going to a zoo and screaming at a giraffe for acting like a giraffe. It's the dumbest thing in the world you could do, but they're doing it, and they're not, they're unwilling to change. So the lesson I learned there is, you know what? We've had some incredible momentum over the past 12 years. We've seen the Lord do some amazing things. But if we always make the assumption that what we're doing will always work and we never need to change... And if any point it doesn't work, it's not our fault because we're right. It's their fault, and they need to change, and they need to, you know, get their minds right or whatever. We'll begin to decline in effectiveness um, as an organization. And I once heard someone say, and I can't remember who said this, but it was so true. Most organizations refuse to change until the money starts not coming in. Mm-hmm. And uh, Disney's quite a few. Disney's not close to that yet. I mean, they've got the money coming in millions and millions and millions of dollars every day, daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, that stops if things don't change. Um, but usually, by that point, it's way too late. Yeah, once you know there's a problem, it's probably too late. Well, what can a leader do uh, to keep his church um, from living in the past, or just to avoid this situation altogether? You know. Um, one of the things I often say around here is celebrate the past, don't live in it. Celebrate the past, don't live in it. You can't totally write off the past. You've got to appreciate and celebrate history and tradition. One of the problems that the children of Israel had in the Old Testament was they clearly forgot what God had done for them in the past. And so if there's ever a point that we forget the past, I think we're, our future's in trouble. So we celebrate the past but we don't live in the past because if the Israelites had just spent all their time celebrating the Red Sea, they would have never actually gotten to go into the promised land. So as a church, I feel like we got to celebrate the past, but we got to be continually looking towards, all right, what does God want to do now? What does God want to do now? What's the Lord want to do now? One of the ways that we've intentionally done this, Shane, at our church is we've intentionally hired young. Now, I'm not against old people, and, you know, I used to, I used to be, but now I, I am one. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like one of the old guys on staff, but we hire young. Um, one of the things I do is I have a group of high school students, 11th and 12th graders, that I disciple and I mentor every year. I think I'm in my fourth group right now, four years, and I ask them questions about our church. What do you, what do you not understand? What do you see? What do your friends say? And I learn a lot from them because I'm, I'm not going to sit around and make the assumption as a 41-year-old married white male in the South that I have a global perspective on everything. I've got to be asking questions to people who aren't like me and who don't have my assumptions if I really want to be successful as a leader. That's really good. It's a dangerous place to get to where you're saying, we've always done it that way. 
Um, and one thing I love that, that you lead the way in is we don't try to manufacture momentum. No. And if there's some, if there's a program that we feel like has lost its luster, we just kill it. Yeah. If a program don't work, you don't appoint a committee to study it. Um, you, you just take the saddle off the dead horse and go find another <laughs> horse. Bury it and move on. Bury it. Sometimes you don't even bury it. Let the vultures get it. <laughs> All right. Statement number three uh, was this. Disney seemed to have statements but not convictions. What do you mean by this? There are leadership statements by Walt Disney up all over the park. And uh, I I had to stop myself because I wanted to take a picture and Instagram every one of them. I mean, they're just great statements. I mean, the first time I went down there, I, th- I, w- I thought Lucretia was going to kill me because I literally took a picture of everyone. I was like, oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so good. And n- nobody would argue the fact that Walt Disney was a genius. And um, the other thing is a lot of the cast members down there, a lot of the employees can quote him. I mean, they can, it's like, they can quote Walt Disney like Peter and Paul could quote Jesus. It's, (laughs) I'm not making that up. It's amazing the legacy that he left and the um, influence and leadership that that he had. I mean, it's, you know, it's astounding. But there's a difference between saying I believe something, that's a statement, and a conviction where I actually go live it out. So I saw the statement about, hey, we really take care of cast members. And let me just say this. I met some really, really, really great cast members. One guy in particular I spent a day with down there was unbelievable. Probably one of the friendliest guys I've ever met. Probably customer service over the top. I mean, this guy was amazing. But I also met some that didn't feel very taken care of at all. So if you have a statement, we're taking care of cast members. Well, that's great. But do your convictions match your statements? Um, One of the examples that I'll share here is, you know, we have five core values. One of our core values is um, found people, find people. Well, that's a great statement about evangelism. But at any point, you know, and I'll teach our staff this in an upcoming staff meeting, if we don't have the conviction that found people find people, then guess what we do? We're rude to our waiter or our waitress, mm-hmm. and we don't invite them to church. We're rude to our neighbor when we feel like they need to cut their grass because cutting the grass and making the HOA happy is, um, is, is the most important thing in the world, right? Um, we get mad at people um, when they cut us off in traffic. or they get. I mean, we don't see them as a, an eternal soul that's going to live forever, we see them as the person that's um, preventing us from being happy for the next five seconds. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. And then we'll come to church and go, well, found people, find people. Well, you didn't act like anybody was lost all week long. You acted like the world was here to serve you. And so that's a challenge I think that all of us wrestle with is to have not just leadership statements in our church. That's easy. It really, people go, it's really hard to come up with these things. Oh, it's really not. You get four or five smart people in a room, sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, what do we believe about this stuff? It really isn't that hard to come up with it. It's actually living that out that, that's really tough. And that's that was my thing at Disney is I was like, I believe they got a lot of great statements. I'm not sure they have a lot of convictions. And I took, a, I took it away as I don't want us to become that as a church. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the assumption that those statements were once convictions. So, so what... What happens, what do you think happens in an organization that, uh, is it just time passes or the people who came up with those statements and convictions or whatever, uh, they're just, they get old and die or whatever. But how does a, 
how does a statement that once was a conviction become a statement again? Yeah, well, the statements had to be convictions because if they weren't, that organization wouldn't be as influential and as money-making as they are. I mean, they hands down, yes, statements, convictions, all that stuff. But I think at some point um, people get apathetic. Um, at some point momentum can be one of your greatest friends and it can be one of your worst enemies because you can you can start relying on momentum and then you make the assumption, well, I don't have to go out and do it as good today because – um, man, look at this. I mean, the money's coming in and people are showing up and, you know, lives are being changed. And so I don't have to put as much effort forth and stuff like that. And so I think, um, and, and I, I forgot where it was. I said this in a conference, but success is one of the most dangerous things that God, that, that God can give to someone, a church or a leader or whatever, because success, if we're not careful, we begin to think that we are the result of our success. And, you know, and we, we begin to take it for granted. We begin to get apathetic. We begin to take plays off, like we've heard mm-hmm. players in the NFL say, and um, we begin to kind of hold back and start playing prevent defense rather than playing the game to win. That's really good. You only really believe what you do. That's true. Um, all right, statement number four. Um, I love this. There's a difference in protecting the leader and hiding things from the leader. Right. Explain the difference. Well, okay, so. I don't think, and I'll just talk about this from my point of view. Um, I think there's certain things that leaders need to be protected from. For example, uh, I don't even know how many emails that our church receives. Um, uh, a lot. A, a lot. Um, just the hello at newspring.cc, that particular email. And um, so I, I know it's... I know it's volumes, it seems, some week. Um, I probably don't need to know about every one of those. I re- and in fact, I don't. I don't need to know. And I don't need to know about most of those because, in actuality, the problem can be solved without me being involved because we have incredibly competent leaders on the staff um, who know more than I know. Like, well, I don't understand why the children's ministry did this. Well, the truth is, I don't understand why they did it either because I didn't even know they did it, but I'll guarantee you we've got somebody in the children's ministry that can answer that question, mm-hmm. um, and they can answer it well. Um, but if, but let's say, for example, God forbid something happened to a child at one of our campuses. Let's say they were outside playing, and a child fell down and broke his leg or something. Okay, I would need to know that. Like, I need to know that right there simply because... Um, that's a big deal that, that I would, I would probably break off a phone call to a parent. Um, I don't need to know about every sick person in our church and I, I don't want that to sound insensitive. Um, but we have around 18 to 20,000 people coming to our church and, um, I, I, I don't think I need to know about every one of them. But last week I found out about a three-year-old little girl that was diagnosed with leukemia. All right. Well, I want to know about that. Um, Andy Stanley, I, I, I quote him all the time. He's got a great leadership podcast, too. It's better than mine. Um, but he he said something one time. He taught on a principle, said, do for one what you wish you could do for all. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I, I need to dive in and get involved in that situation. I called the dad and was able to connect with him and, and um, encourage him. He wound up encouraging me more than I encouraged him. It was crazy. Um, but... So those things like that, I, there, there's there's things that need to be um, hidden from the leader simply because 
he or she doesn't need to know because the problem can get handled and it would just worry them anyway. Um, but then, are, I'm sorry, that's, there's things they need to be protected from, but if you hide major problems from the leader or the leaders, eventually it can come back and, and hurt the whole church um, or organization. And I think, you know, at the Disney thing, the, the thing I was, I was wondering as I walked around, as I was wondering how many leaders have viewed this, and we talked about this earlier, from a customer's point of view. Like they've walked around in the park, not with their Disney leadership pins on and not with their, you know, staff or whatever, but they parked, they walked through, they paid, um, their wife got or you know, her purse searched or whatever, which I think is a great deal, no complaints, but you know, you need to experience that. They brought their kids or grandkids in, they stood in the lines, they saw how the fast pass worked and all that stuff. Like those are great ideas and concepts to come up with. But have you ever walked through the park and seen that for yourself? Because you could have a staff telling you, it's going great, it's going great, it's going great. Yeah, our hotels are awesome. And then you got a guy with hair in his bed. And so you're <laughs> like, okay, this is kind of weird. So I brought that back to the church, and I was like, you know, the, you know, the emails thing or whatever. There's probably things that, you know, I just don't need to know simply because the problems can be solved. But if you hide things from the leader, especially things that are pretty big and intense, um, that's a big deal. And I think a lot of staff members sometimes – They'll hide things from their leaders, kind of like when we were kids. We don't want to. We don't want to tell because we're afraid we'll get in trouble. Yep. When in actuality, we wind up hurting the church or the organization more when we don't go. Hey, this is a problem. It's a big deal, and I'm bringing it to you so we can figure out how to handle it. There's two things that you always tell us uh, that I think have always been helpful to me. Number one, you don't want to be surprised by anything. Yes, and I think in that context, what I take it to mean. Is you don't if you ran into somebody uh, at the store and they brought something to your attention and it's of such a significance that you would have wanted to know about it before they surprised you with it, you need to know about it. That's like a kid who's got leukemia or somebody in our on our in our uh, one of our churches died that you may know or, or something bad sure. happened. Somebody had a bad experience. Well, you know, Shane, it's the one thing that we don't like to talk about, but it happened um, several yeah. years ago. We had a child in our church. Um, die, and I believe he was three years old, and um, it it was devastating because the the child was sick, and then took a turn for the better, and everybody thought he was going to be okay. Then he passed away, and it was just sad. Well, um, our church um, database system that we use right now—that I won't go into how I feel about it—but the church database system, um, we send out cards on people's birthday and certain information didn't get entered into the computer system. And um, you, you can blame it on whoever. It was our fault. Yep. I mean, it was our fault. But a birthday card got sent to that child's child on his birthday, and he'd, he'd been, he had passed away six months earlier or whatever. And it was one of the most um, awful things in the world. It was awful. Everybody felt bad. I mean, it was, I, I can't even imagine how the parents felt. We reached out to them and tried to make things right. But at the end of the day, um, I needed to know that. That's not something that needed to be hidden from me. And as horrible as that was, or as tragic as that was, um, as the leader, especially in church world, if I'd have been out in the community and someone would have confronted me with that, I wouldn't have been able to go, I know, oh my gosh, we dropped the ball that was a bad mistake. It would have been me going, what? What are you talking about? I don't know. And then 
I think the organization comes off comes off looking worse yep. than it really is. And so those are the kind of things you just can't say, well, I'm going to protect the leader from. No, he, he or she is the leader, and they need to know that information. Yeah, that's really good. And the other thing you often say is you just don't want to be the emperor with no clothes. Yes. Like you, don't want to, you don't want to be walking around thinking everything's okay, Mm-mm. and it's not. Because, like you said earlier in this podcast, that uh, if uh, you're here for a reason, right? You lead this organization, and there's problems that sometimes we need help solving. And so you're a resource for that. So why would we hide, hide it from you? Uh, you don't want to walk around thinking everything's hunky-dory when there's things that you could actually help us make better. I, um, I've seen it way too many times where a pastor or church leader will um, come up with a great idea, and I, I think either people people don't love them enough to tell them that's a bad idea or they're scared to tell them that's a bad idea. That's where I coined the phrase. I, I'm not going rec- to recall the specific event, but I saw a guy do something, and I'm like, somebody's got to tell him the truth. And it came back to uh, me. I, I mean, I remember calling you guys in and just saying, hey, guys, we're going to use this as an opportunity if I – um, ever do anything that's going to hurt this church or hurt this ministry, please tell me. Because, I mean, the, you know the whole story with the Emperor New Clothes. Everybody's like, oh, he looks great. And there's kids over there going, he is naked. Yeah. What is the deal? And so I just never want to be that guy. And so ultimately you got to have people in the room that love you enough to tell you the truth if you're going to be a great leader. Yep, and that's how you avoid... That problem. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this month's podcast. Perry, before we go, is there any final thoughts you want to give to our leaders out there? Yes, I am going to say that I'm going back to Disney. So once again, this was not a Disney rant, and I promise you, I, you know, don't want it to be that way. I'm going back. I already promised my daughter I'd take her back at least one more time because we got to go do the Bell's Castle thing. I'm telling you, Shane, it'll change your life. Um, not going. I'm telling you, man. And I'm great. not prote- protesting either. I'm just saying. Well, you have going. four boys and they're all like, anyway. So I, I'm just saying, I, we're not, it's just some. I remember the night I sat down and I just wrote out two pages in my journal of stuff that I learned. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was great for me to experience this because now um, I came back and I looked at our church through different lenses. And I don't want to assume that I'm the most um, uh, effective leader or the best leader in the world. Um, I've got to learn how to see things from um, other people's viewpoints. That's really great. That's a lesson to be learned there for all listening to this podcast. Take a look at your organization. Take a look at your church from the perspective of the attender uh, and make the changes that you need to make uh, so you don't fall Gonna for these make things. A change. For once in my life. Sorry. And that there was for you at no extra charge. (laughs) Perry Noble imitates Michael Jackson. So with that, we're going to sign off as Perry closes us down with a few tunes, and we'll see you guys next month. (laughs)